my family and I went to the Getty Museum in LA. And it was supposed to be a last minute, you know, family trip before our oldest one went off to, oldest daughter went off to college and that kind of thing. And we get there and all of a sudden I, I get socked. I was so, I was hit psychically. I couldn't function. I couldn't move. My other two daughters were in the same boat. We ended up, I don't know if you've ever been to the Getty, but there's this grassy knoll area in the middle of some buildings. And I had to lay down on the ground. It was so bizarre and so intense. And all of a sudden I could see all of these children being released. It was, this is how it started with crossing over the children. And I thought, let me back up. When a ghost dies, when a soul dies and they leave their physical body and they do not cross over into the heaven world, the ghost appears in the last thing they've worn. And that's why ghosts appear to be period pieces or time pieces. If somebody can see a ghost, if you're psychic enough to see a ghost, and you sense that this ghost is from the 1500s or maybe the 1800s or maybe 1962, you can tell because of how they are dressed. They die in the clothes of their, that they were wearing from that time period. And so while I'm at the Getty, I'm seeing all of these deceased children being released and I'm crossing them over as fast as I can. They are from those same periods, you know, French Baroque to Genghis Khan era, all of these different eras of children I'm crossing over. And I thought at the time I was crossing over children who had died in the French, in the French Baroque area, who died during the time of Genghis Khan. But what I realized, and it wasn't too long ago, was the entire, that Hollywood scene where they talk about child sex trafficking and certain people are up there dressing up these children in these art in these to mimic arts. There's a, I think a tweet about John Podesta, I believe, and this child and the kid is dressed up in this art piece. Well, that's how they were presenting themselves. And I didn't understand it. It took years to figure it out. But since that time at the Getty, my business partner, Tina and I have spent a lot of time crossing over the dead. And it's as if I, I get a big headache or she gets a big headache. And we kind of go to work and we find, we end up in these tunnels. We've been ending up in tunnels throughout the world for a long time through a process called remote viewing. We didn't know why we were always in a tunnel. Because and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And, yeah. you know, seven years ago, nobody really talked about it, right? Yeah. Even five, four years, three years ago, people didn't really talk about it. and we just kept crossing over these dead children in tunnels and we're like, what the heck? So in a lot of children who I'm going to just call them out, the Vatican church, the Vatican the Catholics, a lot of deceased children in wells, a lot of deceased children in tunnels. And we just didn't understand at the time why we kept doing this over and over and over. And as this information is coming out, as this Q movement is coming out, and all of this information, 
is being released, all of a sudden we can literally put the pieces of the puzzle together and it makes sense. We cleared a whole bunch of tunnels under Australia and three months later, the Archbishop, I believe, or the Cardinal in Australia was arrested. Mm -hmm. So are we able as mere mortals to release enough so that the truth comes out? And I'm not saying just me and my business partner, but all of us out there, we're all, we all have a part in this. Yeah, I noticed there's a lot of articles just this past week, two weeks of children being rescued from this yeah. sex trafficking ring. Uh, and, you know, it's small numbers, like eight kids here, 25 here. Uh, seems like a lot, but we know these numbers are in the hundreds and thousands. And it's really hard for us to actually fathom what's taking place, but it is surfacing. It is coming to the surface. Like you said, it's, we are talking about it now. Yeah, it's coming to the surface and these little bits, but if every 40 seconds I heard, and I don't know how true this stat is, every 40 seconds a kid goes missing in this country alone. Yeah, I've heard something like that too. Where do they go, right? Yeah. What happens to them? And the truth is, is human trafficking is a bigger financial boon than drugs and weapons at this point. Well, the drug, the drug trafficking is kind of like the cover for the human trafficking. It's not really about the drugs. And that's why they fought so hard against the wall because, you know, it's not about what's coming over in the United States. It's about the clients in the United States. Who are the that people wall, that want? Yeah, exactly. That wall is not about racism. It's not about segregation. It's about saving lives. And nobody ever discusses that. And I'm really happy that you brought that up because no one ever discusses the importance of that wall is to prevent human trafficking. I live in San Diego. I am just above that Mexican border. And when you are so poor that you're willing to sell your child or you're willing to take a child and sell them just you know for a little bit of money, it speaks volumes as to where we are as a society. If yeah. nobody knows you're missing, nobody will go to look for you. Yeah. yeah. And we need to let that sink in. If you no one knows you exist, nobody will look for you. And what a lonely place is that. Yeah, and also I think some of these children um they they're always off record. Let's just say that there's never even a birth birth certificate for there's them. There's breeding grounds for these children also yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, so it's not even missing children, you know, and these children aren't just being used for sex. There's satanic rituals involved in a lot of, in a lot of things. Well, and that's why uh, they use, like, foster care and uh, CPS is so infiltrated because they try to get kids that no one's going to be looking for. The less people that are going to be bringing attention to this, the better for them, you know. So what is it, 800,000 What's the reported number of missing kids every year? She might, yeah. She, about 800,000 800, every year go missing. Which is nuts. Yeah. And that's just the reported. So just think about it. It's probably way more than that. That doesn't get Right. It, that is just the number that gets reported. Um, my business partner and I will also clear homes and properties. So let's say you have a haunted house or you've got something unusual happening. We do a lot of that work. And I will never forget this young girl, we had a client in Washington state who said, you know, for some reason my house is haunted. Could you please? And so we go to remote view the house and we see 
not at her house, but along her property line was a somehow a, and this was a Russian drug, uh, human trafficking ring. I don't know why it was Russian. I, I don't know. Human trafficking ring. And I'm not calling out any, there is no ethnicity. There is no culture that is exempt. Let me start there. And as we're remote viewing, I, I see this girl and I'll never forget her. I think she was from Tacoma and I think her name was Julia. And she was a ghost and she was crying to us because she was killed. She was, they tried to take her, but before they could take her, she fought so hard they killed her. And the most heartbreaking, and I, I've done a lot of these kids and they all become kind of like a big conglomerate, but this one just really stuck out because she literally said, I can hear my mommy praying for me every night. Wow. I can hear her prayers, but she can't hear me. And I hope that now that her daughter's crossed over, that she gets some form of peace. Because when a soul is a ghost, they are stuck between heaven and earth, literally. And it is a hell. And this is where those dark beings reside. So if we look at this from a bigger picture and we go back to the Lucifer rebellion where Lucifer falls from the grace of God. He and his team have to go somewhere, right? They are no longer allowed to go into the heaven world. So they go somewhere. The next step is that fourth dimension, which is that sandwich layer between heaven and earth. And we know that ghosts can impact the third, we, the third dimension where we live. So we live in the third, ghosts and dark entities are in the fourth, and that fifth and above is the have, are the heavens. So these beings have been residing unchecked in that fourth dimension for many millennia. Much like Portland, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you said that, so these, if they are just in the fourth dimension, uh, and they're part of almost like a, a program like that the, that the cabal has been operating for yep. eons, and they hijack um, the reincarnation cycle, and they will they come. steal the yeah, souls. Exactly. They'll come in uh, and just hijack a newborn baby, and basically, so if a pedophile is up there floating around, a pedophile can be reborn. And, yes. And then, obviously, that, that chain can be broken through, uh, you know, karmic cycles and stuff like that but it's a little, it's complicated well if we can and this is the whole point of why my business partner and i do what we do you're various you're very correct in the fact that they get stuck between dimensions and these ghosts now become soul food s-o-u-l food for these dark beings and these dark beings have access to the reincarnation cycle of these souls when they do not cross over. We think all souls are heaven sent. We think all babies born come from heaven. The truth is, is a lot of them come from the fourth dimension. When that happens, we reincarnate here without the soul healing and the soul restoration that we need to come back fortified. We come back with pieces of our soul shaved off. We come back battered and abused. And this 
I suspect is why we have so many <sighs> mental disorders out there, so many hardships out there, so much abuse between humans because we haven't had the chance to reincarnate from the heaven world. And we, if we go back to the concept of Jesus, when he came here, he didn't come here to mitigate the karm. Or the, he did not come here to absolve the sins of all these people from all over the world for forever, right? Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. He came back here to mitigate the karma caused by the Lucifer rebellion to tell us that we all have it within ourselves to go home. The problem is, is that when you are beaten and abused, your ability to hear those messages is impaired. Yeah, and they and they also, you know, specifically took the reincarnation story out of the Bible. Uh, and I'm learning this now in the, your book I'm actually reading. And you talked about um, the reincarnation. And the reason they took that out is because if we understood that, you know, it, if this is only this, if this is we think this is our only chance, we only have one shot. Uh, it becomes really hard to process and understand that we that you know, man, where do we go wrong? I'm never going to be able to try this again. But if we understood that we reincarnate and we can come back and we have a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance to make things right, it makes a lot more sense to understand that our Creator is actually a loving being. And would it make any sense for our Creator? to give us one mortal life to either be doomed or damned to eternal hell or eternal heaven. Either way, it makes no sense. If we're going, if we live a great life and we supposedly cross over, we sit on a cloud and play the harp all day for eternity. What, where's the spiritual service in that? (laughs) And the idea of fear really permeates these souls that are stuck there. It's that we just say karma all the time. We just throw the word around, not thinking about it actually being in, in a, a type of intelligence. Well, the beauty about karma is that it merely seeks balance. And karma is not emotional. It's not judgmental. It's seeking balance. And right now, a lot of these karmic scales are really struggling to seek balance. And it's simply karma in its most basic form is action and reaction. You know, you drop that pebble in the water and you see those rings go out, right? Dropping the pebble is the action. The rings going out in the water is the reaction. And if we can look at life through a karmic lens, we become more in tune. Our psychic abilities start to develop. And with that, so does our intuition, which I believe is our most powerful psychic ability, the ability to see ghosts and the ability to remote view and all these other things pales in comparison to somebody who has a really strong sense of intuition. When we have a strong sense of intuition, we make better and wiser choices, which helps to balance the karmic scales. We go to work and we find out that, you know, we keep having the same boss job after job after job. Maybe there's a karmic lesson that we need to keep getting. I don't know about you guys, but I've been hit over that, that cosmic two by four many times, right? Hmm. Until you get it right. (laughs) Especially in relationships and, you know, whether it's a spouse or a boss, it's still a relationship. Yeah. 
It is. And karma's going to give us those same tests in a bunch of different faces, right? You, you could have had a narcissistic dad and now you've got a narcissistic boss. How are you going to do things differently? Yeah. That's what karma kind of wants to know. Yeah. yeah. A priest who molests a child in the name of God carries with it a lot more karma than a dentist or a plumber who does that same deed, right? Because one of the things that I've learned throughout this is that the rape of a child or any person separates that soul from God. It damages that root chakra, that creative center energy. And it really sets that person at a disadvantage. It doesn't mean we can't overcome it with a lot of work and a lot of healing, but it's just not easy. You brought up the Vatican earlier as far as remote viewing. Like, What exactly have you seen under the Vatican or have you remote viewed that? Um, when I remote view a location, I am always bound by spiritual law. I would never remote view your home, for example. Sure. Right? I would never walk into your home unannounced either. These tunnels and things that we've seen that go under the Vatican, they're basically caverns. They're basically caves. And they can be all over the world and not necessarily just under the Vatican. And we are only allowed to do or see what our spiritual teams allow us to do or see. And a lot of times it has been children under in these caverns under the Vatican who really thought that God didn't love them. If if God loved me, why did this happen to me? I must have deserved this. That's a problem because if you're not worthy, you don't cross over. You don't because you think you're not worthy, you think you shouldn't cross over. They, as in those entities, and these dark entities can be luciferic, they can be alien. We're we're in the middle of a spiritual war right now. Yeah. This is and we've been in this many spiritual wars throughout the history of this planet, but I really do think that this is like winner take all and the prize is this planet. Mm -hmm. If we can cross over these kids and all of these souls who are stuck between dimensions we stop it. We, we starve those dark entities because they use that energy for their fuel source. And if you go to my website, thekarmicpath.com, K-A-R-M-I-C-P-A-T-H.com, you can download for free the crossing over prayer. This prayer has had testimonials all over the world. And when I was at ESETI, I we gave out hundreds and hundreds, actually a thousand of these these crossing over prayers. Mm -hmm. And what was really amazing is people took them and they went out and had some personal time in certain areas of Iseti and they crossed over their loved ones. And when you do that, we free ourselves from their grief and we send them home. If your child, if your grandma, if your uncle or best friend who committed suicide is stuck as a ghost, the biggest gift, the biggest form of spiritual service you can give them is to cross them over. And everybody has the power to do that themselves. 
And it, he said it was fascinating because uh, a young woman came up to me and said that she had a really tough time getting there because she was her grandma's caretaker and she was dying and she wasn't going to go. She was going to go. Grandma was supposed to die, you know, two weeks ago, yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And she, grandma, she told, she told me that her grandma was afraid to die. Her, her grandma didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't feel worthy of going to heaven. How many religions create that fear of lack of worthiness to go home, right? Yeah. So after my speech, and I didn't meet her until after my speech, but I talked about this. She's sitting in the audience and she gets a text from the caretakers that her grandma passed right after my speech ended. Wow. And she went over and she had the crossing over prayer and she crossed over her grandma and she came back to me and said, this is my story. I want to make sure I did it right. Is my grandma here? And we checked and she did it with the power that she had in herself and the assistance of that crossing over prayer card. One of the best tools we all have. And I, I'm going to go on a little story arc here. If you are psychic and you sen you're sensitive or you see something and you're not sure, remember this concept, salt cleanses in every dimension. And what you can do is if you think that you have a relative with you that died and you thought they crossed over, but they're here, literally visualize yourself pouring down a rain of salt over them. If they're still there, then they have not crossed over. With the Ouija board, and I'm not gonna win the popularity contest with this, there's all these divination tools, right? Ouija board, tarot cards, all of these things that we have access to, but the real crux of the matter is, if you need a tool to, to communicate with entities not in this dimension, how do you know who you're talking to is who you're talking to? How do you know there's not a shapeshifter? Because I will be honest, there are so many shapeshifters out there that can hold the frequency to make themselves look like an angel or to look like your spirit guide or something. And they can read your thoughts. And so now they know what you want. And back to that Ouija board story that you were talking about, a client of mine, her mother died. She called me. She and I crossed over the mother, the grandmother. And this client's 13, 14 year old daughter missed her grandma. And she and her girlfriend, and Ouija boards are like this classic, you know, teenage girl thing, created a Ouija board out of a piece of paper. And they summoned this grandma up. And the daughter was so excited that she brought her grandma back. And she was literally, see, mom, see what I can do. And the mom called me a little alarmed. She's like, I thought we crossed her over. I'm like, well, we did. I said, I, and, and this client actually lived close to me because I do a lot of client work all over the world, basically. And I said, let me come over. And I came over with the daughter and the mom, and they're both pretty psychic. And I said, call your grandma in. And I was able to put the grandma in basically a container, for lack of a better word. And I poured salt all over grandma. And when I did that, this thing turned into, it was not grandma, it turned into an evil, vicious looking, scary creature in an instant. It cannot handle the frequency and cleansing of salt. 
And it was a really good lesson for the mom and the daughter about these Ouija boards and about these tools of divination. We really have to learn tools of discernment. It's really important because what would have happened had the mom not been savvy enough to call me, this dark entity would have brought in many more friends. They thrive in numbers. And all of a sudden they would have financial problems. They would have house problems such as plumbing and electrical issues because these things are low frequency. They start to deteriorate your surroundings or health issues also. Yeah. Health issues are, are a big part of what they do. I remember a number of years ago, I was at, I, sitting on my sofa, minding my own business. And all of a sudden, this entity, dark entity comes into my house and literally shoots me in the lungs right here. And in 30 minutes, I have double pneumonia. I did not have a cold. I did not have bronchitis. I wasn't sick. But it came in fast and hard. Yeah. There's no reason for me to have that. And if we know what these entities and energies are and we can identify them, this is what kills me in the, the light worker airy fairy group. I, I hate to sound disrespectful is enough love and light and unicorns and rainbows and everything's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Right? Not so much. We have to understand how these dark beings and entities work so we can deal with them properly. Will be, And I think that's why we are in this position as a human race right now. We just have enough people that have always said enough love and light. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. That's not, that's not the reality. We have, this is a spiritual war. The empath narcissist relationship are usually relationships that have spanned many lifetimes. So it's my theory that a narcissist, there's many degrees of narcissism, right? Mm Mm-hmm. A narcissist generally can't be cured in this lifetime. We have to cross them over so they go home. The empath energy is so delectable and tasty to a narcissist. It is a karmic opportunity for this empath to say, enough, time out. And it is not easy, and it is, it's probably one of the more difficult relationships to break from because it can be dangerous also. A lot of empath narcissist relationships are dangerous in that sense that that narcissist wants the control of that person who is perceived as weak. And it's up to karma's going to offer that empath a lot of opportunities to break free. The problem is it's really hard especially if these two people have been having that same relationship lifetime after lifetime. Breaking free, breaking those ties is a big deal. It's possible. We also have a course on, you know, the, the uh, empath's guide to slaying energy vampires because it's a big deal. And an empath can be a family member. It can be a boyfriend. It can be, they can pop up everywhere. So can the narcissist. So narcissists are karmic opportunities for an empath. It's learning how to do business differently when we've done it the same lifetime after lifetime. Every time they reincarnate from that lower astral, when a narcissist dies, making sure they cross over is a really big deal. I've crossed over some of the world's worst pedophiles because if they stay in that fourth dimension, Who gets control of them, the dark side or the light side? 
no matter how a person lived or how a person died, every soul has to cross over and go home. When I was 25, my mother passed away. And it wasn't until years later that I, I understood, I was made aware that something had entered whenever I was so I was in that fractured state my aura was fractured and some dark entity had made its way in and it was kind of operating through me for years and I was you know I got heavy into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of stuff and I wasn't you know I wasn't the most stand-up guy during that time and I realized through a series of events I ended up getting rid of this thing but it almost made me into a narcissist during that time in a way so it's not like I guess my question is like they, they don't have to be born a narcissist. This can happen by just something coming in at some point in their life. And it might not be as difficult to remove that way if it isn't some karmic cycle, if it's somebody just yeah. Like, yeah. It's a frequency issue. So when your mom died and you're really young when your mom died, when your mom died, that grief sent your frequency to rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And that's normal. Now you've, got some dark entity who sees an opportunity and they enter you and they take control of you and it happens it happens to the best of us which makes me really question the concept of free will how much free will do we really have you have the fortitude and the strength to overcome that and you're taking what you learned from that experience and you are able to apply it in ways that would never have happened had you have not had that experience. Had you not had that experience, would you be sitting here with Aaron today doing this podcast? No, absolutely not. No. That's karma, not wasting energy. Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very grateful for every dark moment of my life because of where it's brought me today. I see yeah. very clearly now. I wouldn't be here if everything didn't happen exactly the way it happened. Exactly. And I'm the same way. I thought I was going to be a middle school teacher for the rest of my life. You know, I'm like super normal, super whatever. That's what I thought. And then karma gave me some interesting opportunities along the way. And I'm as hard as they were, as difficult as they were, you know, getting hit with double pneumonia to, you know, being at my, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been choked and strangled and this and that from, I literally one day was walking across the parking lot by myself and some entity pushed me so hard. I fell and I karate chopped my wrist on the curb and broke it. Mm. No one was around there, but all of these experiences brought me to where I am today so that I can help these souls and understand those, that dark side element. We all have soul purposes and our soul purposes change throughout our life. A soul purpose could be as simple as being kind to a sibling or as complicated as kicking a drug addiction, or maybe it's actually, I worked with a client last week and I have permission to share the story. She, her house all of a sudden became haunted and she didn't know why. And I worked with her and cleared her home. It was great. And then something came back and I told her, I said, okay, you have somebody with you who died that is, is trying to come in and they're bringing in a lot of dark entities. 
and that's when she confessed. She goes, and she was really, she was kind of ashamed of this, but she shouldn't have been because there is no learning in perfection. Her brother had been a serial killer. He worked for the drug cartels and he killed many people. He was in prison when he was killed. And she says, he did these horrible things, but I love my brother. I've always loved my brother. And I told her, I said, perhaps you were your brother's karmic opportunity to learn how to receive love. Maybe that's what your relationship was all about. Yes, he did horrible things, but if he had not, been reincarnated over and over from that fourth dimension, would he have been doing those horrible things? Your ability to show him unconditional love during these horrible moments gave him an opportunity to do things differently. Those were his free will choices. And it turns out that this brother was coming back into her house trying to tell her that he loved her, but because he was so heavily attached to these dark elements, it kept opening these portals in her house. And so we crossed him over. She got to say her piece. So when we work with somebody, we work so that they can have that connection to their loved one because it would be very easy for me to say, oh, Tyler, your mom said blah, 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 blah. And all I got to do is pick and you know pick pieces out of here and there and let you string it up to make sense. But when you're involved in that process yourself, it becomes your truth. And we crossed him over and there's been no other issues in that house ever since. But this again is karma offered him an opportunity to do something different. He may or may not have chosen to do something different. Every soul is different. And our soul purposes vary throughout our lifetimes. For some people, it's, we just need a little bit of time. Maybe our soul's purpose was, you know, I'm a six-year-old and I develop cancer and I die. Was my sole purpose to have my family come in and learn how to take care of me with love and compassion? Is that why a six-year-old child gets cancer and dies? It's one of the most horrible things that we could ever think of. Nobody wants a child to die. Is my soul's purpose to become a school teacher because I, you know, had these experiences as a kid and I want to be a school teacher so I can help other kids. Is my soul's purpose simply to survive every day and not kill myself? A lot of times suicide victims kill themselves lifetime after lifetime. And it's, it's really a crime because we as humans, especially with our religions, are very judgmental when it comes to people who commit suicide. If you commit suicide, chances are you're pretty depressed and you can't think straight. No amount of counseling or, or advice or is going gonna, is gonna to help change your mind sometimes. You're so haunted. I had a neighbor who committed suicide a number of years ago, and he was living in my closet for about a week as a ghost before I discovered him. And he was telling me that he killed himself because these creatures kept coming after him and he... he didn't know what to do about it. So if he killed himself, maybe they would go away. Well, they didn't go away. And we crossed him over. So that way he can get that soul healing and that soul restoration that he is afforded now 
And a lot of times when people commit suicide, they languish between dimensions and we can feel them. I, one of my crazier stories, and it's a true story. I had a client who called me from a country, a different country and said, I feel like killing myself every day. And I don't know why she found me on Facebook. And I said, okay. And immediately when I started talking to her on Facebook messenger, I could see a bunch of dead people with her and they all committed suicide. And I asked her, I said, did anybody, you know, committed suicide? And she says, yes, 17 people, 17 family members in her family committed suicide. This was their family pattern. Wow. And we crossed every one of those souls over and she immediately lost the desire to commit suicide. And this is why suicide feels contagious because the dead grieve just as much as we grieve. And if I've got a child or a person who committed suicide in my life and I'm feeling their grief on top of my grief, a lot of the survivors have guilt. I should have, would have, could have, right? Crossing over those victims without judgment, without cause, helps break that suicidal tendency. Past life regressions can be critical to the soul's evolution, a soul's, a person's evolution. But if you get a past life regression, you as the client need to make sure you are in control. And I'm saying this because there's a lot of people out there who would say, oh, Aaron, I saw that you had a past life as, you know, I don't know, uh, courts, um, you know, in the courts of, you know, England or whatever, and you did this and you did that, or how do you know that that's true? I just gave you a piece of information and I could damage your soul's evolution by telling you this. We had a client who had a past life regression done to her and she was told that her very loving father raped her in a past life. Now her opinion of her current life father was jaded because they had a great relationship. That past life practitioner really caused a lot of damage because A, we don't know if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. And B, it could set her down a really dark path because well, I... it damaged that relationship. So whenever, you know, Tina or I do a past life regression, that person is in a conscious meditative state. Mm -hmm. So you can figure out for yourself, we're simply a guide We're you're going to have to do the work. And sometimes a past life regression doesn't work or it isn't what you think it is, but it's usually what you need. Yeah. If you are stuck in something in your life, maybe you're stuck with relationship issues a past life regression could be really helpful. I've had a few past life recalls that were spontaneous and a few past life regressions at the same time. One of the more interesting ones that came up recently was, actually it was on the way back from Yeseti, I'm flying home. And I'm, I, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not wearing a mask. And they just implemented the mask policy on these airplanes and I have a scarf over my face. And I am three quarters of the way home on this airplane. Literally, our airplane is like over Los Angeles from like Washington State to San Diego. We're over Los Angeles. And this flight attendant comes up to me. He runs up to me and he throws this yellow card in my lap. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Right. And I look at it and it's like this. Oh, you're not wearing a mask. And, you know, you're you're a bad person, blah, blah, blah. And and he, he, he gives it, he throws this card in my lap and he runs away. It's like, 
where the hell are you going? That's like a soccer go, referee throwing, <laughs> throwing a red card or yellow card. Oh my God. Right, exactly. And uh -huh. so I literally hit the button and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, well, you're not wearing a mask. But as he is saying this, I am watching this past life scenario of his fold, unfold before my eyes of his past life. And in his past life, he ran, he loaded the cargo trains in Jewish concentration camps to send not to, to the Jews to the Nazi concentration camps. That was his job. He was a cattle herder for these trap for these another form of trafficking, right? Mm -hmm. And now karma is giving him an opportunity to do something a little different. It's not as extreme, but I thought that was absolutely fascinating. I saw him in his uniform and I, he looked pretty much the same. We talked about the entities a lot and the ghost and the spirits. Where do extraterrestrials come into play as far as this goes? And how do we, how do we determine what is a spirit and what is an ET? And, you know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of these dark forces, you know, we hear about the reptilians. Is there any of that that pops up when you're readings or whenever you're doing this, uh, yeah. you're crossing people over? Can you touch We've on that? crossed over a lot of alien forces, good and bad. Um, we have done a lot of, unfortunately or fortunately, crossed over a lot of reptilians. Those seem to be or the archons. They seem to be like the flavor of the month for a while now here. We've crossed over good ones too, benevolent ones. Um, it's not our job to pick and choose who crosses over. If they are presented before us, we cross them over. We hand them off to our spiritual team. But before we hand them off to our spiritual team, we practice several levels of due diligence to make sure we have no imposters in our team. I'm never going to just simply trust that my spiritual team is my spiritual team and there's never an imposter there. It happens. And it's really important that everybody understands that we all have a spiritual team and our teams grow and ebb and flow and decrease as time goes on and with our experiences. I'm never going to assume that there's not an imposter there because that means I've let ego get in the way. And we've crossed over lots of aliens, lots of reptilians, lots of archons, and even Pleiadians um, and stuff in between, which would, we hand them off to our team. Which would mean that they're all existing here on Earth. Yeah, it's a very busy planet. Yes. It's a very beautiful planet. It has a lot of wealth and riches, and everybody wants a piece of it. Yeah. But the bottom line is it's our planet, and we need to fight for this planet's soul. Yeah, and that's the biggest, that's the, like you said, the spiritual war right now, that's the biggest fight. It, it's not really about politics. It, it, it might seem like that in the surface. It, it is in a, to a certain degree, but what's going on behind the scenes and underground, uh, that's the important fight. We've right left this unchecked for way too long, and it's time to start cleaning it up. And the more people that can help, the more, even if you're just crossover grandma or you just crossover one or two people, every little bit helps. I see a lot of progress being made. I see a lot more needing to be made. There's a reason why timelines have been shifting. 
if we, and I'm saying we as a collective, we haven't been doing these bits and pieces, timelines would be very different right now and not for the greater good. We still have a lot of work to do. And the best that we can do is to make sure that every soul crosses over because as every soul crosses over, we're robbing that lower astral, that fourth dimension of a food supply. Mm-hmm. And that is a big deal. And I think that's why they are struggling. We have seen these black magicians literally turning to dust because they have been starved because they have no food or fuel. We've seen them trying to puppy guard adrenochrome in the fourth dimension also and puppy guard all these other things. Not have like having all the sports stadiums and arenas shut down right now and all the big gatherings where they would collect all that loose and feed off of it. You know, they, they were these these places are designed to feed to fuel these dark entities. Uh, you know, when people get angry at a sporting event, that anger gets siphoned into the ley lines or wherever it is they're yep. doing. And, and they feed off of that. Um, it, even just that's why they do the riots and the, the fear with the coronavirus. Yeah. So they're trying to. This is why we have the riots, in my opinion, is they are causing trouble to stir things up. So because they're hungry. Yeah, that's exactly. That's absolutely what it is. Yeah, I, I generate all that negative energy. They're desperate right now. They yeah. are desperate, which which is a good news, bad news, right? The fact that yeah. they're desperate means that we are being effective. And I, I'm not saying we as a, my partner and I, but we as a collective are being effective. We all have certain jobs to do, and we're doing them to the best of our ability because every little bit makes a huge difference. The louche, the people need to understand it, understand that. If you don't understand what's going on, like what we're talking about tonight, it's going to be really hard to grasp and wrap your head around what we're seeing taking place on the surface. And that's where the awakening has to happen for certain people. And, you know, it's not, it's not so much about the information because to get to that point, you have to go through your spiritual awakening first. You have to understand I was an atheist, you know, and I totally, that was shattered. Thank God, because now I'm able to be here and do this. But you were you were not their success story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, exactly. Uh, but it just that's the biggest thing. Any, anyone who's listening who's like thinking this is bullshit or they're questioning this, you know, is uh, it's real. It's real, and there's no there's no convincing you otherwise once you see it, and that's it. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing, and we have to understand that our third dimensional physical world, the world we can see here and touch is just one aspect of our world. Yeah. There are so many other dimensions and aspects out there and we need to focus in on, on unfortunately that dark underbelly of spirituality. We got to clean it up. It is a fuel source and those sports stadiums are also opportunities for sex trafficking and victims to be passed around. And now that we've stopped that, we've stopped that flow also for right now. And maybe we get to go back to a time where we can have these events and it won't be like that anymore. And there are probably beings and entities that do know that are helping us that we can't be privy to that knowledge because it would let the dark side know at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. If you think if you think you're walking around and you know something that nobody else knows, I mean you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, as far as, oh man, I heard, I got somebody told me this date and I know something's going to happen on this day. And nobody else knows, you know, if you know, I mean, there's a, there's a surveillance system out there and a, a cosmic surveillance system. These dark entities know exactly uh, what's going on. And time, time is, is fluid. It's not linear. Yeah. And there are certain anchor points in time that are fixed, but yet there's other elements where time is more fluid. I remember a number of years ago, um, one of my daughters had a week long premonition of the Sandy Hook massacre. And my daughter was nine years old at the time. I literally wrote the playbook to the Sandy Hook massacre, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, right down to what this guy looked like and the fact that, you know, he was shooting up the little kids and the principal. And it was a nightmare. My daughter didn't want to go to school. She was so afraid. Was Sandy Hook an anchor point? Why was it that my daughter, who was nine years old, about the same age, she was a little bit older than those kids. Why did she get this information of this horrific crime? 3,000 miles away. I don't know the answer to that. Other than, was that an anchor point? Was that fixed? Was 9-11 a fixed anchor point in time? But yeah. yet there are some things where we, psychics will have predictions and it doesn't happen because that was they were just wrong or maybe there was just a fluidity with the time. You know, if we leave our house at 5 p.m. versus 5.15 p.m., do we get in the accident at 5.15 but not at 5? I mean, everything is fluid based on our choices, but there seems to be these certain things that are just like these anchor points. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't saying, like, if somebody out there did have a date or something, you know, was told to them, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's not, it's maybe you're not the only person. There's other, there's other yeah. people aware of it. Yep, absolutely. And we've seen, you know, psychics predict similar things along along the way. And what makes psychic ability hard to quantify is that no two psychics have the same exact abilities to the same exact degree, right? Yeah. And make, it just makes it hard, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, it's just like remote viewing. You could have all these remote viewers, uh, remote view the same location. They'll all have similar results but everyone is going to have different results it's not it's not going to be the same from everybody right it's almost like there's a venn diagram where things just kind of mesh but there's outer outskirts to it too yeah exactly uh so let's talk about your book a little bit here before we start wrapping up um soul evolution past lives and karmic ties uh tina Irwin. Uh, is this your partner this is my business partner yeah business partner okay um, guys, it's a really awesome book. I mean, everything we're talking about tonight, it gets into, but even in more depth, uh, in more detail, uh, I'm in the middle of it right now. It's seriously, uh, it's, it can help change your whole life. It can really help you, you start. It can start, it can help you navigate through life a lot easier once you understand how some of these things work and you can look at this. Oh, okay. Is this a karmic lesson? Is this my sole purpose? Whatever. So it's, uh, I, I really recommend, uh, we'll, we'll definitely put the link below this video also. The more souls we can cross over, the more we're going to save those souls and have a better planet from it.